0: Well, how are we doing this morning? We're doing good. It is good to see you. If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is JJ, and I'm so glad that you're joining us, no matter if you're joining us in our North Sanctuary, South Sanctuary, East Venue, Speedway Campus, or watching online. We are in week two of a series entitled Through the Valley, and I'm not sure about you, but I'm so glad uh, that we're walking through this series. In fact, like I needed last week's message that Pastor Randy uh, preached And the simple message was simply this, is that it's okay to not be okay. And what I noticed is that there's a lot of us who who came up front and we just said, I'm not okay, or maybe I I know someone that's not okay. So we want you to hear today that it's okay to not be okay, but because of Jesus, it's just not okay to stay that way. That's the hope that we have this morning. Because we need to realize that because we're through this unshakable journey that we're walking through. And one of the things that we want to develop in each and every single one of us is this unshakable faith. And the way that we do that is throwing our hands up and saying, Sometimes I'm not okay. And then also coming up and getting help and not staying that way. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about a fight that we're in. In fact, I'm going to invite you into the ring because we're going to battle. So before we go to battle, let's pray because that's the greatest way we can fight this battle that we're in. Jesus. We're so thankful. We're so thankful, God, that we have an opportunity to come and sing songs like, Great is Your Faithfulness to Me. God, you've been faithful time and time again. You've done things over and over again in my life, and I know that you're doing the same thing in the rest of our lives. And so, Jesus, I just pray and invite you into this space and place. God, I pray, Lord that the enemy who thinks that he has a right in this building would realize today in the name of Jesus, he needs to be out of here. In fact, in your name, Jesus, I cast him out of this place. And so Jesus, I just pray as we step into this arena, into this ring that we would realize that the battle that we're fighting is a spiritual battle, but one that we have already won and that one that we can continue to win. And so Jesus, just now through your word, not my words, would you come and speak to our hearts. It's in your name we pray, amen. Um, a question I have for you today is: Is have you ever pulled a prank on someone and realized that after you pulled the prank, that maybe you took the prank too far? Anyone, anyone like that? Like, okay, thank you. It, the rest of you, if you don't have your hand raised, you're gonna just think I, I'm the most horrible person in the world. Okay, like uh, a few years ago, Dave Ramsey came uh, to our church, and don't worry, I didn't prank Dave because he probably would have made me show my zero-dollar budget. I didn't do that. Um, I actually, uh, he came, he preached, and then the day after, I was backstage. I was talking to our worship arts team, and I noticed there was a picture of Dave Ramsey. I'm like, why do you guys have a picture of Dave Ramsey? Were y'all like bowing down to it before like he came out and preached? What, what was going on? And they told me that the picture came um, from Melissa, who would, went around to the legends and would walk up to people and be like, hey, do you know who this is? And she shot these videos. We showed these videos in, in church, and so I got the idea. I'm going to prank Melissa Legree, a.k.a. Coach Kathy. And I grabbed a Sharpie, and I took the photo, and I signed it, King Dave Ramsey. And she was on the student ministry team at the time, so I walked into her office, and I said, hey, how are you doing today? She like, I'm doing great. And, and then I said, hey, uh, Dave was here on Sunday, you know, and he saw all the videos that you did, and he wanted to say thank you. So here's a signed photo of... Dave Ramsey. Now, I'm not thinking that she's going to believe this lie, but she believed it. In fact, she put the picture up on her wall. She went home. She told her husband, Andy. She started telling all the students, like, I got a signed copy of Dave Ramsey's face and was telling all our staff. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> I, I probably uh, shouldn't have done that. So I was like, ah, oh, I gotta go make this right. And so I went to her office. I sat down. I said, started having a conversation. And about midway through the conversation, I was like, I did a really good job signing that photo, didn't I? And at first she didn't hear me. And then all of a sudden, mid since she just stops and goes, you? You're the one that signed this, not Dave Ramsey? I have been telling everyone that was Dave who gave me a photo. i tell you that story today simply because I'm hoping that finally Melissa will forgive me for my wrongdoings. <laughs> so, Coach Kathy, I am so sorry that I pulled a prank on you. No, I tell you that story because I want you to realize that there is a spiritual enemy out there who has pulled one of the greatest spiritual pranks on every single one of us. And the way that he pulls pranks on us is by lying to us. And the problem with him lying to us is not that he lies to us. The problem is that far too often we find ourselves believing the lies that the enemy tells us. And when we believe a lie, we enable the liar to multiply his lives in our life. And that's why I think the words of Paul are so important when he tells the church of Ephesus, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In other words, what Paul is telling us here is that we are in a spiritual war. And not only are we in a spiritual war, but we are fighting a spiritual force. We are fighting the enemy, Satan, the devil, whatever name you wanna call him. And I think that's so important because what that means is that our spiritual battle isn't against our coworker or our neighbor, Our spiritual battle isn't against our friends at school. Our spiritual battle isn't against our parents or our kids. Our spiritual battle isn't against anxiety or depression. Our spiritual battle is against a real life enemy and his name is Satan. And he wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. However, I wanna make sure I'm clear today Because I realize that there's so many of us that came down here last week and we're saying, I'm going through the valley right now. And the last thing that I want you to hear is that the only way you're gonna make it through the valley is to have a little bit more faith because right now the valley is super real to you. Maybe it's something that's happened to you in your life, some situation that popped up. Maybe it's a trauma that you continually are living through or maybe just maybe it's something medical that that you have and I'm just gonna be really honest with you that it might not be the thing that you think it's gonna take for you to find healing. Yes, we need to have faith but we also need to get help. In fact, I know this because a few years ago, I found myself on a moment where I walked through a very stressful, very overwhelming, uh, really a moment where I felt like I was about to burn out. And and not only did I feel burned out, but I woke up one day and it just felt like my chest was just about to pop out of of my entire body. And so I did what I knew what to do in that moment, I, I prayed. I read God's word, I ate healthy, I decided to work out, I fasted, I did all the things that they would tell you to do, but I still did not find healing from the things I was walking through in the moment. And so you know what I did? I tried harder. I tried to read my Bible a little bit more, I tried to pray, I asked people to pray for me, but still I did not find healing from the things that were happening in my life. And finally I swallowed my pride and I want to got some help. And it was hard for me to go get help because for some reason, I grew up in an environment where if you went and got help, that showed that you were weak. There's no pastor that ever should be that weak. But I reached out and I talked to a counselor and that counselor gave me the tools alongside of the spiritual things that were ha- happening in my life, and, and the Bible reading and the praying, and then gave me some other tools to help me through the valley in that moment. And the thing that I learned and the thing I want you to hear today is that getting help isn't a sign of weakness. Getting a help is a sign of wisdom, One of the wisest things that some of us can do today was simply maybe to go and sign up to meet with one of our counselors here at Westside. One of the wisest things that some of you could do today was simply be to join one of our care groups or even, even an A2 community. We need community. So please hear me today. We need faith and sometimes we also need help. The two aren't at battle against each other. But still, I want us to realize this morning that we are actually in a real spiritual battle, which requires us to fight this spiritual battle with spiritual weapons, not just the weapons of this world. And Paul goes on in verse 13 and tells us, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when, not if, the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We have a real spiritual enemy. And the greatest lie that he has ever told us and that we believed that that is that he doesn't exist. In fact, 60% of Christians, there was a poll done recently that said 60% of Christians don't even believe that the enemy exists. And I wanna draw attention that we actually have a real enemy. And again, his purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy us. And the way that he destroys us is by lying to us. But it's not like he just shows up like he does in the cartoons on your shoulders and he's like, hey, um, just so you know, like, I'm gonna tell you a lie and you're gonna believe it and then after you believe it, I'm gonna, uh, you're gonna be in prison for the rest of your life with an addiction. Or you're gonna be dealing with anxiety. He doesn't show up and just whisper something that sounds really good to us. No, he's way smarter than that. He's way more deceptive than that. He shows up at the right moment, at the right time, and he whispers to us the things that we want to hear, and he makes it sound so beautiful. Why? Because he was a worship leader in heaven before he was fallen to the earth. So it's gonna sound beautiful, but he whispers to us things like, oh, you can't trust them. You Don't show them the real you, because if they, if they see the real you, then they're not gonna accept you. God God doesn't really love you, does he? You're never gonna find the one and you're definitely never gonna have and be able to have real intimacy. He whispers these lies to us and as we believe these lies, what he does is he entangles us in those lies and we begin to find ourselves in a place where we are bound by chains. And that's some bad news today. But here's some good news. Paul reminds us that we have power to overcome his lies. In other words, we don't have to be chained to the things that he tells us. And all we have to do to overcome the subtle lies of the enemy is for us to take up the whole armor of God and put it on us. And the thing that I think that we really need to take up is the word of God, which is our sword, the only offensive weapon that we have. Here's the problem with this, though. Most of us aren't picking up the word of God, and I'm not talking about reading the word of God. I'm talking about reading it, I'm talking about receiving it, and I'm talking about living it. We're not taking up our swords and fighting against the enemy. This is the most powerful weapon that we have as followers of Jesus. In fact, Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, that we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive, and we make it obedient to Jesus. The word of God has power to help us to crush, to demolish, and destroy the strongholds and the lies that the enemy throws at us. The word of God has powerful is so powerful that it can help us take every thought captive all the lies all the good thoughts all the bad thoughts all the in between thoughts and make it obedient to Jesus. Why do we make it obedient to Jesus? Because he is the truth. And when we know the truth, the truth shall set us free. And where do we find this truth? In his word. You see, what we find out in the Bible is some beautiful things about who we are in Christ. And who we are in Christ is more important than what our social media statuses say about us. Who we are in Christ says more about us than our batting average on the field. Who we are in Christ says more about us than the number that's in our bank account right now. Who we are in Christ is more important than anything else or what anyone else would try to tell us. It is the most important thing about you. And where do we learn where it is about who we are in Christ? In his word. We learn about it in his word. And his word has power. And it's time for us followers of Jesus to take up our swords and begin to fight against the lies of the enemy. Let me show you what I mean this morning. I want to share with you the three main lies that the enemy tells us, especially in the area of mental health. And what we're going to do is we're going to expose those lies and we're going to replace those lies with the truth that's found in God's word. So, the first lie that the enemy tells us is simply this lie right here You are not good enough. You're not good enough. Now if I'm just really bl- bluntly honest and that's all I know how to be is honest with you today this lie right here is the number one lie that I struggle with. In fact this week I found myself as I'm writing this message and studying that that's the, the only thing I could hear is this is not you're not good enough. But if I give you even another example a few weeks ago my my kids and I were wrestling in the in our home we call it wrestle time and it was fun, and we, have, we actually got a belt, which is really cool, because the champion gets to have the belt, and I'm the champion, by the way, so just so you know. Um, but we were wrestling, and my daughter, like, she jumped on me, and jumped on my back, and then she jumped on my lower back, and started just like, like, oh, you're a horse, Dad, I'm gonna ride you, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna kick you off, like, it's, and she began to do it, and then her brother The other one, he jumped on my back and started doing the same thing, and I'm like, "Ow, ow, ow!" And finally, I lost it, and I yelled at him, and they cried, and I set them down. I said, "You guys need to be tougher than that." (laughs) I I didn't tell them that. My wife was like, "I should probably slap me in the head if I said that to him." No, I set them down. I said, "I'm sorry." I'm so sorry, daddy, daddy messed up. We forgive me? And they forgave me and I heard that voice but in that same moment I heard this voice right here say to me, don't you wish you were more like Jeff? I wish in that moment I was able to take that thought captive. I didn't, I believed it. I believed I wasn't a good enough parent I believed like, that my kids were gonna leave and they were gonna go tell someone and the next thing I you know, I'm gonna find myself in prison and then I'm gonna be on the news and all these crazy things. Like I literally thought that that was what was going to happen to my life. I just believed I was not good enough. What about you? Are you hearing the whispers I'm not good enough? Maybe it is you're, you feel like you're not a good enough parent because your children are struggling with something and you're like, man, if I was a good enough parent then I'd be able to help them out. Or maybe, just maybe, you were told at a young age that you would never amount to anything. Or maybe you, you're hearing the lie that you're not good enough because your spouse walked out on you or maybe your parent bailed on you. Or maybe you're in college right now and you don't feel like you're good enough and the reason why you don't feel good enough and I know that is because you find yourself getting hammered every weekend because you feel like I gotta fit in to this environment. You're not good enough. Or maybe, just maybe, you're hearing this and it sounds something like this. Watch this video. This morning I woke up and told myself three different times I wasn't skinny enough to the shirt I wanted to wear today. So yesterday our teacher told us the test scores were super super low. I was really frustrated with my score that was so low and then I went and had a terrible volleyball lesson and like I just felt like I wasn't good enough like to do anything at all. Okay, so I'm a fear right now and I forgot about my AP Euro test, so fingers crossed okay. that we do well. We're gonna yeah, do great. I'll be great. Okay, so for my sports med class, we are in my like, the nutrition unit. And I'm a little taller, and I have a more muscular build than most of my friends. I always have, and I've always felt insecure about that, but we were talking about um, like how many calories we need to eat um, in a day at lunch, and mine was a couple hundred higher than everyone else's. And I had to remind myself, like you have three to four practices a week for volleyball, and you're very active, and you lift every day in school weights, And it's okay that you're eating more because you're doing more than a lot of these girls at your table because it's their off-season, so it's normal for you to need to eat more calories. Um, I did it again this morning, and I just keep finding myself constantly telling myself I'm not skinny enough to wear certain clothes or something just doesn't look good on me, and I'm comparing myself to others so much. So are you hearing whispers, maybe something like that? I'm not good enough. If you're hearing any of the message, I'm not good enough, I want you to know simply today, that was not composed in heaven. The I'm not good enough anthem was composed in the pit of hell. Because what God's word tells us is that you are good enough in Christ. In fact, how good enough are you? It's what Paul tells us and reminds us here in Ephesians chapter one, verse four. He says that for he chose us In him, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure in his will. You are chosen. And did you see what Paul said about when God chose you? He chose you before the foundations of the world. Now, I want us just to really just take a moment and take that in, because before God ever said light and light appeared, he chose you. Before he began to put the stars in the sky and the moon and the sun and the sunset and anything else in this entire world, he chose you. Before he created your favorite animal, God chose you in Christ Jesus. Before he even created Adam and Eve, he chose you. And when it says that he chose you, it means that he chose every single part of you, the good things about you, the bad things about you, the in-between things about you, the things that you find insecurities in, the things that you think that don't make you good enough. God chose every single one of those things about you. Why? So that you would be holy and blameless in his sight. That's what he chose you for. But he didn't just say, I choose you. He showed us. He put his money where his mouth is, and he adopted us. And now we're called sons and daughters, and when he looks at us, he doesn't say, oh, man, they're not good enough. No, he says, that one's mine. She belongs to me. He belongs to me, and and he's so proud of you. You are chosen, and in Christ, you are good enough. Still, the enemy wants us to believe that I'm not good enough because he wants us to believe the second lie. And the second lie is simply this, is that you are alone. Have you ever felt that way before, that you're all alone? I know that I have. Back in 2016, my wife and I, we, we got pregnant with our first child. And, and I remember we went to the first doctor's appointment and we sat down and the scan showed up, and, but there was no heartbeat. And the doctor said, why don't you come back in a couple weeks, and so we came back in a couple weeks, still no heartbeat. One more week. We prayed, we asked God, we begged him, came back, no heartbeat. And in 2016, we miscarried our first child. And we felt alone. I felt like I was the only one who had ever walked through a moment like that. I felt like there was no one else that had ever ever experienced that, and that lie didn't come from God. That lie came from the enemy. Why did that lie come from the enemy? Because he wanted me to be isolated from myself and from community. Do you feel alone? Like, like do you look at how many followers you have on Instagram, and then you sit in a room this size and, and you still feel like you're alone? Do you find yourself hearing the whispers of the enemy that, oh, I thought he said that he loved you and that you guys were gonna get married, but why did he break up with you? Oh, you're alone. Do you feel like maybe you're the only one that's dealing with anxiety or depression right now? Do you feel like you're the only one that's dealing with whatever it is that you're dealing with? Because the enemy wants you to feel alone so that you will isolate yourself from God and from community. The truth is, is that you need community and someone in community needs you. And the truth is, is that you and I are never alone. In fact, we know this because in Psalm 139, David tells us this. He says, where can I go from your spirit Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far sides of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. We are never alone. Why? Because God is omnipresent, which simply means that he is present with us always. And that doesn't mean like, listen, if you're here today and you don't even believe in God, God is still present always with you. But if you are here today and you have a relationship with God, not only is God always present with you, but he's always present in you. That is the hope that Jesus has, and that is the helper that he sent us. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. So there's never a moment, follower of Jesus, that you don't walk into a room and have the Holy Spirit with you. God is with you. You are not alone, even though the enemy wants you to believe that you're alone. He is with you, Emmanuel. Now lives in us. And then the final lie that the enemy wants us to believe is simply this: is your life is meaningless. So what's the point? This. Comes oftentimes when we feel like, man, it just seems like I'm going from one thing to the other thing. And it just seems like everything's just stacking it upon itself. It's, it's that moment where we're walking through the valley and someone walks up to us and they're like, hey, um, how are you doing? And this time you don't say, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. You kind of brush it off. But it's a moment where you say, man, I'm really going through it right now. In fact, I'm going through it so hard that I don't know if I'm going to make it through it. And whenever we go through a moments like that in life, it can feel like we're in the pit of the valley. It can feel like we're just in it, in the pit of despair. And when we're in the pit of despair, it can seem like the only way out is for us to throw in the towel to quit and end our life. And if you're here today and you find yourself in the pit of despair, the pit of the valley, and you're like, man, the only thing I can think of to do right now is to end my life. I want you to know that there's hope for you and there's hope for you. The help comes in this way, is that there's a new way to text 988 or chat online 988 and, and get on there and get some help. There will be someone that will reach out to you. But the hope that we have is our life is full of meaning prove it to me JJ. Well, Ephesians chapter 2, I didn't it's not going to be on the screen. Because as I was praying through this message this morning, God just whispered, read this. Here's what he says, "But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead." Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Your life is full of meaning. Why do I know that? Because you were created on purpose for a purpose, and the purpose that you were created for was to know God. And this is what he does. He sends Jesus while we were still dead in our sins to save us, to pull us out of the pit of despair, to have a relationship with him. And so we were not only made on purpose for a purpose, but we were saved on purpose for a purpose. And that purpose, again, is to know God. But the good thing about our God is that he doesn't just stop with saying, hey, I just just want you to know me. He gives us an even more bigger purpose. And I know this because verse seven in here, he says this, in order that in the coming ages, he might show. I love that word show there because in the original language, it actually is the word display. And it's where we actually get our word trophy from. Like if you walked into a school today and you looked at all the trophies, what does a trophy tell us? It tells us what has been accomplished. It displays something, it shows something. So our purpose, on one hand, is to know God, but it is also to make him known, which means that when we walk into our jobs tomorrow, we have purpose. And it's to know God and make him known. When we are changing the poopy diaper for the 15th time, we're like, oh, I'm tired of this. Your purpose is to know God and make him known. When you're sitting in school and people are talking about you, it is to know God and make him known. I'm not trying to belittle what you're going through. I just want you to understand your life is meaningful. And that meaning comes in a relationship with Jesus, still, I realize how hard it is when we're going through the valley. So hear the promise of Psalm 23, verse 4, which says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Did you catch that? Let's, let's leave this verse up here for just a second. Because this is not what it says. It doesn't say that, that God's going to walk us to the valley, does it? It says that God is going to walk us through the valley. So whatever you're going through right now, I promise you, God is there and he wants to walk with you through it. He's not just walking you to it, he wants to walk you through it. And as you go through it, his rod and his staff, they comfort you and he whispers to you, you're not alone. And when we get through this, you're going to have a story to tell the entire world of my faithfulness. This is what Jesus wants to say to us today. And why do we need that? The enemy wants to kill, to steal, and destroy you. But Jesus came to give you life and give it to the full. And he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Followers of Jesus, it's time for us to stop sitting on the sidelines and start fighting. It's time for us to stop allowing the lies of the enemy to take us captive. It is for freedom that Christ set us free, Galatians 5. So do not fall back into a spirit of slavery. We don't have to go back and allow him to take us hostage anymore. We can stand up and we can fight today. We can take up the word of God and begin to say, no, this is what the truth says. So what lie are you believing Think about it for a second. Because when you came in today, you're supposed to pick up one of these pieces of paper and pull it out now. And I'm gonna invite one of our videographers to come up here on stage. I'm gonna show you what we're gonna do. See, on here, I've identified my lie. The reason why we need to identify the lie is God cannot heal what we can seal. He wants to bring healing today. My, my lie is simply, "is you're not good enough." It's the lie I've been believing this week. And so, we want to identify that lie and write that lie down on this piece of paper, and then we're going to bring it up to this bowl. And I promise you, this is not animal blood. All right. I know it looks like animal blood, but it's just water that's been dyed red. But it's symbolic. Revelation twelve verse thirteen tells us that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. The greatest testimony that we could bring to Jesus today would be the lie that we're believing and bring it to him and allow his blood to heal that. So what we're gonna do in a second, you write the lie and then I'm gonna invite you to bring the lie to one of the bowls that's around us and you're gonna place it in to this bowl. I want you to watch what happens. See how Jesus covers the lies? Man, I had a lie. But in Christ Jesus, I no longer have to live with that lie. And then after you've taken that lie and you've put it into the bowl and it's disappeared because that's what it symbolizes, I want you to pick up one of these truth cards today. And then I wanna invite you to come back to your seat and to to worship God. The psalmist tells us that we worship and as we worship, we have a high praise on our lips and a double-edged sword in our hand. So we're gonna fight the enemy today. So just a few moments, the band's gonna play, and then I'm gonna invite you to respond in the way that you wanna respond and bring your lies to Jesus today. So Jesus, we're so thankful for what you've done. We're so thankful, God, that we don't have to believe the lies. We do not have to allow these lies to tangle us up any longer. But that through you, we can be free. So, as I said in the beginning, Jesus, I'm, I'm asking you in your name that if there's any enemy, any, any person in here that's evil, God, that like oh, you would just cast them out right now. They have no place in here, they have no place over our minds, they have no place over our hearts, because God, you wanna free us today. So I pray for my brothers and sisters and myself as we stand up to fight. I know how hard it is to fight because I've been fighting all week. So Jesus, give us the boldness to live in who you call us to be. It's in your name we pray, amen.